Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we run into your knife. We run into your knife ten times. My name is Caroline O'Donoghue, and if I had just one more brain cell, what a half-wit I would be. Joining me is Mr. Small and Morton, the Countess of the Clink, Natasha Hodgson. That's the only introduction I've ever wanted in my entire life. <laughs> to be the Countess of the Clink. Uh, Mistress Mother Morton. Oh. Today we're going to talk about cabaret. <laughs> Uh, hello, yes, I am uh, Tash Hodgson, long-time appreciator of both you, your work, and indeed the movie uh, Chicago. Chicago. Which we're going to talk about those today. Not just a long-term fan of both me and Chicago, which both I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, the You're also the writer of musicals. Musical, so far, musical single. Uh, yeah, but indeed, there is there is no denying that. Yes, I am uh, a quarter of the of the brain that has written the musical Operation Mincemeat. <laughs> Yay! Which we're happy about because we've just basically uh, in in recent times announced that we're going to take our little musical to the West End starting end of March 2023. Um, so we're really we're really stoked. We've it's been a long old journey to get us here. You saw it back when it first. Yeah. Yeah, and it like, was a tiny little 80s theatre. We had two hats between us and a lot of vim. <laughs> I think maybe like what five years ago you first started telling me that you were going to write this yeah. musical. I think and... I, was, I think I spin- <laughs> it's going to be my money spinner. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got you got the yes, money. Yes. <laughs> It's funny thinking about making money out of theatre, <laughs> which in many ways is what this is all going to be about. The craziest dream of all. Cra- <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it, it's interesting having, you know, known you for so many years and also seen you write your musical. The knowledge that, like, musicals go through so many revisions um, until they're basically these perfect sort of machines that can work by themselves. Yeah. They have to be so good that you can, like, transplant them anywhere that anyone will understand them. And it, uh, how much has, like, writing a musical improved your, like, critical appreciation for how flawless Chicago is? Oh, my God. I mean, if I had any idea how hard it was to write even a vaguely good musical, I never would have even bought that. <laughs> it was just, I'm so glad I was so ignorant. Like... There is not a single moment in Chicago that isn't completely perfect. That is our official <laughs> opinion on the... I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk mainly about the, the movie Chicago because that's the one that's sort of buried mm-hmm. into both of our hearts. Um, but I think, yeah, from the opening frame and the opening seconds of that movie, which, again, we were going to talk about, like, I, it was a huge, huge inspiration for me and I think for the other guys, three of the guys who write, who write the musical with me, um, just in terms of, like what each song has to do, what your opener has to do, what how your sort of I want song has to sort of follow from that. And it's like, it's a real, there's real maths to creating uh, a great musical that I did not appreciate at all. But I think even being like sort of 12 or 13 or whatever, when I first uh, saw this film, something like within it was like, this is a, per- as you say, it is a perfect machine. And although mm-hmm. I don't understand 
how, what, why each cog is so perfectly mm. tuned to what it's doing. There's like a weird, beyond the actual music, music within the very structure of a great musical that just makes you feel happy. <laughs> like it just, yeah. you, you feel so safe watching Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've ever wanted. Like if someone comes out of Operation Mincemeat and says, I feel very safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's being in safe hands. You know, I remember a few years ago when you and I were watching Drag Race and we were judging these two last contestants. And like, you have, what you have to think about is if all the lights went off, in, if there's a power cut in this club, Ugh. could this person put on this show alone? Mm-hmm. And I can't do Should it alone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll be a lot of that. And it's like, I would watch if, Chicago if on the street right now and said, "Girls, <laughs> radio needs you to do an entire rendition of Chicago." Could the two of us do it? I think frame for frame, frame for could, frame, could recreate. We could fucking bring the house down. <laughs> but no, yeah, that's the thing. Like, and I think in some ways that was quite a good way to make a musical because we, when we started making it and when we first performed it, I mean, all the way through we performed it really. Like, we don't have, or we didn't have, the kind of spectacle of like the lights and the costumes and the, all the rest of it. All we had really was just like do these songs speak to people? Do they make them feel excited? Do the characters sort mm. of, you know, mesh with people and make them feel stuff? And I think although it made it incredibly difficult and meant the process was longer, I think ultimately it served us really well because I think hopefully what that's meant is that we have come to a place where we've ironed out every wrinkle, like, well, I'll say that. We've ironed out enough wrinkles that it feels like a machine that now works. Yeah. Um, because yeah, as you say, like ultimately, if someone said to us tomorrow, you know, if we if we open this big West End show and it's you know a lovely success, and someone said to us, "There's no, you know, the, the whole building's collapsed, but the people are here. Can you can you do it? Yeah. Can you do um, it in the road? Can you do it? Yeah. And will people still clap? And will people still enjoy it? I mean, hopefully with our musical, yes. But I mean, with Chicago. <laughs> A thousand percent. There is just, if you've got the performers and you've got like, yeah, you've got a PA system with a <laughs> with an iTunes karaoke function. Yeah, there's people having the time of their lives. <laughs> you, you said something a minute ago about um, the idea of an I want song. Yes. Um, and would you say that there are like, within the structure of a musical, there has to be certain songs that do certain jobs and that's kind of like the clockwork mechanism of how a musical has to work so it's super fascinating like, so this is the thing that I had no idea before I started making a musical like I'd written plays with songs in them before but um, but yeah I, I sort of came to learn that there are these things that are in most a lot of musicals that kind of in a, in a way that I think like you know you're a novelist and I think I don't know if you know this Caroline <laughs> I'm sorry to break this you're not, but like, you know, there are certain arcs and journeys and stuff that people go on that are satisfying narratively that, you know, you have the building blocks of how they go. And I think, yeah, for a musical, uh, yeah, so you th- there's a such thing called as the, the I Want Song, as you mentioned, which is basically the song that your main character sings near the very beginning of the show that kind of sets out their intention. And it's kind of like once you know something like that, you can't mm. help but look for it in everything that you then see. So yeah, obviously in Chicago, it's Roxy singing Roxy, you know, the name mm. on everybody's lips is going to be. And like, it's that's her mission. In Hamilton, it's my shot. Um, mm. In The Little Mermaid, it's the song she sings about the fork. <laughs> <laughs> I, the great <laughs> fork anthem. The tribute to the humble fork. <laughs> As I was as I was talking, there, I was like, "You get into Ariel. You gotta remember the name of that song. What's it called? Part of your world. Thank you. There. Yes, part of your world. <laughs> as I call it, the fuck. I something like I always remember about um that song. I knew a girl who went to stage school, 
And um, she said that it, you, everyone, obviously that was the little girl song that every girl sang, yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. That, that and like Mulan, the, who is that girl I see? <laughs> anyway. But she always talked about, because, you know, when you're a sort of a stage school kid, you enunciate every word perfectly clearly. <laughs> she said every single girl would do that song the same way. Where they went, you want thingamabobs? I've got 20. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've 20. got 20. <laughs> Not one more. Not twenty. Not one twenty. Twenty. <laughs> uh, yeah. Those thing is, you're not. You can't win there because you go. I got twenty. You're like, shut up. I've got twenty. Shut up. You're seven. <laughs> you're seven. You have twenty of anything. <laughs> twenty is a number staggeringly vaster than you, you can if comprehend. If you had twenty beanie babies, I'd be amazed. <laughs> oh my god. And I think you were riches. lying. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but yeah, so I think basically, yeah, there's a few different like, and, and obviously as all these things, reels are made to be broken and you don't have to follow everything. But basically songs can fall into two main categories in a musical, which is room songs and corridor songs. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, we're getting into it now. You didn't know what was going to happen. And so, yeah, room songs are where basically the it's like in the kind of joke music will be like, gosh, I wish I had a spork. <laughs> Wish I had my fork. And it would be like, so like most I want songs are room songs. It's basically just an exploration of the thing that you have stated. You mm-hmm. don't go anywhere. You just, you're staying in the, you're learning more about the room. You're describing the sofa. So it's kind of like, oh, if only I had this thing, then you're going to, mm-hmm. the whole song's going to be about that one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd say like, yeah, I think most room, most, so for example, in Chicago, like a room, like a room song would be something like all that jazz, where it's kind of like, you just start off. Mm. You're in it. It's amazing. It ends. It, they show you the world. They're showing you the world. Yeah, and it's amazing. All that jazz is Chicago's under the sea, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Sebastian in Chicago? Velma, obviously. <laughs> Velma, Sebastian, a professional, <laughs> a consummate professional who will do what it takes to keep the people entertained. Every time I watch I a Little what, Mermaid, King Trident must be a difficult audience to. <laughs> That's a hard gig because he has to also like all his daughters have to be in every number. <laughs> Imagine that as like a composer. The Nepo baby. Oh my God. Imagine how many good mermaids are out there like, could I? And he's like, I'm sorry. No, it's... <laughs> Once again, it's the Christmas. It's Ariel and her slag it's sisters. Ariel and her slutty sisters. <laughs> each, it's a double episode about both Chicago and small... The Little Mermaids. <laughs> anyway. I'm going to list it in the podcast player. Chicago brackets Little Mermaids. Yeah, just not even start about it. But so yeah, so like a corridor song in Chicago I guess in the movie version it would be Razzle Dazzle although mm. I, I, because in that basically the, the corridor song you don't end the same place that you began in the mm. in the song in the song so like you start off somewhere and it's more of a kind of and we're going off and doing something gonna do something we're doing mm. this thing and you end in a different position but mm. like I get, I guess yeah in the in the movie ver- I think in the movie version they actually turn quite a lot of stuff from room songs into corridor songs which is one of the reasons I love it so much so like for example in this in the yeah, as the in the opening, which I think we should talk about in much more detail. Mm. You know, you begin the song having no idea who anyone is, and by the end of the opener, you've got so much plot has been un, like uncovered yes. to you. Like you've got the mur- you like you understand about the Velma sister murder. You get the fact that she is she's taken her sister's place and has killed somebody. You also have Roxy's um, story is completely clear. She's come to the club. She's seen the thing. She's going home with Fred Casely. And like that's the sh- that, that's the life that she wants, and that's yeah. all just in the backdrop of all that jazz. It's amazing. It's so, and it also it's it's that real rewarding on the rewatch thing, as yeah. well. Of like, I don't. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine now 
a version of myself who hasn't seen Chicago. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to, I, like, PC and like, yeah, like no, before, before Chicago, yeah, before before Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> um, but like, because now I've, I've just, you know, came out in 2002. Yeah. Um, when I was 12 and I saw it that year and I've probably watched it like either every year or every other year since then. So, but every time it comes on again, all those like satisfying moments where you because like what would have been the easy thing to do would be show the show the murder pre credits or something yeah and then you have Velma showing up to the show but it's quite subtle actually there's yeah. it's just a lot of subtleties together mm-hmm. rather than one big obvious thing so it's like she is kind of her hand the blood stain on the hand ripping at the poster yeah, where it's yeah. um, Velma, Velma and Veronica yes just, like rips it down and like people and if you're watching it first viewing. You might just get that Velma's late. Yes. Because um, it's lots of people, oh, where yes. the fuck have you well, been? Kind of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then but all and you this... don't see her face until that first notes of all that jazz as well, which is just like, ugh. And the thing of like her sort of motioning to the stage manager to move the spotlight because yes. there's not going to be a second person mm-hmm, on stage. Mm-hmm. And it's also like, what's beautiful about that is like, that's the whole movie. That's the everything about the movie is move that spotlight over to me. Oh, <laughs> yes! <laughs> Like it's like oh it's and what and what's like and even even before that what's amazingly about this movie like I, we obviously like talking about this movie but like I think what Chicago does so successfully and the reason it is so successful is that it gives it a solid premise and like a a, a thing which is this is a movie through Roxy's eyes mm. this is an imaginary musical through Roxy's eyes and actually the very first shot of the movie is just an eye which you go into, which is Roxy's eye. Yes. And I just think that was so, I know, I know that they like, they had like a bunch of different scripts when they were thinking about making it. And there was a few years, like different directors came, came on and then, and then like were fired or whatever. But, um, but, but the director, um, Rob Glorious, uh, Marshall? Rob Marshall, thanks yeah. so much. It's also a Gary Marshall. I was like, is it, it's not Gary, is it? <laughs> oh, um, but, but, and it wasn't, it was, it was Rob Marshall's directorial, like, feature debut, but he came to the studio to Miramax and said, I think it should be Roxy's show mm. and it's through her eyes we're seeing this whole thing. And I think what that gave them was the thing that is so hard to do in a musical on screen, which is the freedom to not have people just burst into song yeah. from a scene that they're mm-hmm. in because that's, almost impossible to get right and like mm-hmm. I think having seen I watched um, have you seen the new West Side Story no the Steven Spielberg West Side, and it's like has some of the most beautiful moments I've ever seen in my eyes like it's just <laughs> crazy and yet because it is because it is that thing unfortunately of unfortunately or fortunately depending on your viewpoint of like I'm a character I've been having this conversation and now we yes, are yes. in a different place I found that transition quite jarring I do find it jarring in mm. lots of music movie musicals in a way that you don't that doesn't happen on stage because you're in a sort of heightened place which maybe we can talk about later but with Chicago by putting that premise on top of it and having these two completely separate worlds of the real world of what's mm. happening and the vaudeville club where all the numbers take place and then you can sort of blur the lines of those things it just means that everything becomes beautiful and easy and mm. like and free from the embarrassment of just, I'm a man with a job. <laughs> my costume is my job. I could see all my items from my job. Yes. And now I begin the song. Because it's just like, it's so hard to do that, man. It's so oh. hard to do. 
Um, have you seen the uh, Andrew Garfield um, Tick, Tick, Boom No, I haven't. on Netflix? So that's a really interesting example. So, so Lin-Manuel Miranda directed it. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's an Andrew Larson who wrote, wrote the musical Rent. It's the show he wrote before he wrote Rent. It's, tick, it's called Tick, Tick, Boom. And it's about a writer trying to make, <laughs> trying to make money out of musicals <laughs> and failing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's all fun for all of us. Um, but it's kind of like, it's kind of, it was the musical. Yeah, it's, it's his much less famous musical and so uh, yeah Lin-Manuel Miranda obviously famous for writing and starring in Hamilton um, made a film version of it and it came out quite recently and I think I feel like as a as a fellow musical theatre writer he had also sort of grappled with the same thing of like how do you make musicals on stage work on telly because there's lots of strange and interesting stylistic choices where sometimes they kind of burst into song but sometimes a whole like the whole front of the like house will move away and mm. you go into the song that way to kind of go this is not real this is stylized don't worry about it like it's not embarrassing mm-hmm, <laughs> they're mm-hmm. singing but it's cool and but I of think, course it is embarrassing but it's still embarrassing because it's yeah I think I have this whole theory about like like I think the reason Muppet movies work so well is because like as musicals is because like they immerse you instantly in like a heightened world yes it's so true and you're already in that bargain of like <coughs> you're already in that like world of like these puppets are people and they're important and they're friends with people. And like, yeah. and you go into that being like, yes, I we I agree to that reality. That is total sense to me. And so when you throw in songs and people bursting songs, you're already in a kind of bargain with the people mm. who made the movie anyway. It's already, you're already in a bit of like a silent club of like, yeah, sure. This, we get, we agree that this is not real, but it is real. And I guess if you think about it, all the, the very few successful movie musicals that there are that like were made post like the 60s, obviously, kind of the Busby Berkeley era from the 30s and going forward to the 60s, that there was a kind of a, a pact with the audience that everyone was just willing to buy. Yeah. But I feel like in modern cinema, that pact is far more reluctantly signed. Yeah, I think that's true. And now we're not in like the golden age. We kind of like, we kind of want to, we kind of was very nostalgic for the golden age without actually wanting to buy into yeah, the yeah. realities of what that would mean yes, to be in the golden age. Exactly. And it's like the ones that work and that live in everyone's hearts are like Greece. And if you think of like think of if they, you you zoom into that world and they're already in this mad costume, yeah, this, like, and they're all already thirty five year olds, thirty five year olds, <laughs> seventeen year olds, and they're wearing these mad wax like, jackets. It's, it's like John Travolta, and I feel like if yeah. you have a mad star power thing, that can maybe mm. see you through. But I do think, yeah, completely, and I think there's a reason actually that a lot of movie musicals focus on showbiz and are yes. about show business. I mean, like this is about show business, cabaret, like Singing in the Rain, and mm-hmm. like La La Land. And I think it's because you have a very easy access to like that you're already in that world and you're already in the world of like showbiz and singing and dancing. And so yes. to, to do one more step to go and now they're going to do some of that stuff for you. You're so enmeshed in that world that it doesn't feel as embarrassing. Exactly. As like if it was like, yeah, he's a car mechanic and he's got a dream to sing. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, and it's, uh, it's that's why it's so smart with Roxy where it's like we're willing to buy the psychological thing of this is somebody who thinks in musical numbers. Yes, and exactly. And so we're like, fine. I'm yeah, in. I'm in. We completely. just need that like permission slip. Yeah. And it's so sad. It's like, what, <laughs> I know. Do just... what does it say about Enjoy us? Enjoy our lovely songs. That we're just like, we cannot fathom the idea that someone would sing. It is too, <laughs> it is too embarrassing. It is too personal. That's it. It's too difficult. But for like, yeah. And I think because stage is already embarrassing. Mm. <laughs> I can say that as, <laughs> as someone who spent, someone who spent my entire years. career trying to do plays on stage. Like, you, in order to walk into a theatre and sit down, you've already succumbed to mm-hmm. the fact that you're going to have an embarrassing time. Like, you're sitting and you're watching people, like, act and, act and in the worst case scenario, sing and dance as well. Like, But you're kind of like, well, you've paid your money. You're sitting here. It will happen Watch to you. Watch me pretend. Watch me pretend to be this guy. 
<laughs> my little clothes on that aren't really my clothes. Um, and there's obviously like, because we've you know, done it for millennia, there's obviously something in us that really likes that. But I do think there is just a perennial like... It's just so it's yeah. so lame, man. Give but, me give me permission. Give me permission, permission. But but once once that is, and I think also that's the reason that I think musicals often need a lot of money spent on them because like if it because it's, it, it that gives you that heightened like don't worry about it like this is decadence mm-hmm. this is expensive like money has gone into this this so your choices cannot be bad. But that's the thing. It's like the um the. The permission slip that Chicago writes you, um, apart from Roxy, is the fact that it's set the 1920s, and that that costumery it just gives you something, right? It's, yeah. it's, oh, it's so it's so fit. It's just everyone looks so great the whole way through, right? The the drop waist, the bobbed hair, like it's it's this like cartoony over the top world already. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, fun fact: um, the director wanted Catherine Zeta-Jones to cut her hair, to to have long hair. Oh, um, yeah, but but she wanted it to be in a bob so that there was no shots where like her hair covered her face and there could be no doubt that she was doing everything because she was like such a. She'd always been like this triple threat and like I'd never had a showcase to do it. And she was like, when she got this, she was like, there is, I wouldn't want anyone in the world to say like, oh, I bet that's not, that's I bet a double. that no one isn't her, it's a double. Oh my and God. And she was like, give me a bob and give me the lights. Oh, I love it so much. This is, this is my sub obsession um, with Chicago, which is the, the press tour around Chicago at the time <laughs> because I was, you know, 12, 13 when that came out and just it's a, it's a, that's the time in your life when you're really watching the most TV. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, there's nothing to do. We've, we've talked about this a lot, but like, what do you do? do? You, you can go to the super, like, the sh- terrible shopping center that you're yeah. near, that you live near, and get on Saturday one item. as a treat. Yeah, but You've the got rest five of the time, pounds. It's you and the TV, man. It's you and the TV. And th- I just remember the um, the Oscar campaign for uh, Chicago so well, where like every TV spot on Sky One was like they worked so hard to make this <laughs> musical to the extent where like <laughs> I love that that was their main selling point. Please go. They worked they, so hard. They tried, man. I just like, there's certain images from that, and me and my friend um, Lo, who I know will be. Listening, it's like we worked together nine years ago, and our first private joke was <laughs> they they worked so hard on that musical, so and they hard. wouldn't stop telling it. It's like these images of like um, Catherine Sue Jones in a practice leotard, mm-hmm. um, just like you know, with grainy footage in a rehearsal room with the Ugh. chairs and all that kind of stuff, and uh, Richard Gere learning to tap dance. Yes, he learned to tap dance. It was like three months of like tap. <laughs> I think it was like so because I think sometimes you can be like oh star casting but I think for this movie it was so correct to go like it had to be huge celebrities I think because I just don't know that it would have worked with smaller people because it's just something about like the fact that this is all about an industry where everyone wants to be famous like the, Mm. the whole thing of like nothing matters except being famous like having your name in the papers and to be and for that to be the kind of in joke of like yeah, and here they are. Here, they be like, this is who you are. want to do this. You want Richard Gere dancing for yeah. your enjoyment because if it's some fucking guy, that's not Chicago, man. <laughs> that's not it. And they like they like audition like like for the role of Roxy. I think it was like ev- like Madonna was going to play it originally. Oh, wow. Like a Jennifer Aniston audition. Like like so many top 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 actresses wanted to do it, but it was just like oh. there, there's such a kind of fly in amber moment that happens when watching Chicago as well because these are like. Three unbelievably talented leads, and also John C. Wright and like Tay oh. Diggs and Queen Latifah. It's all every single fucking <laughs> person, and, and they're all exquisite in every. Moment. And they're all exquisite in every moment, and it, that's also what nothing moves me more than people who are trying their best. Mm. And I, that mm-hmm. it really long stirred... time fan of trying our best. <laughs> long time, yeah. Huge and fan. that's why, no matter even if I go to a bad musical, 
present company not included. Thank you. No, I'm not sure not talking from personal experience. You can imagine. But I always cry at the bows because I'm just oh, like, they really tried they their really best. Tried. Um, and that it, it does feel like all these people who are um, inspired by the hard work they're seeing around them, not yeah. just by their co-stars, but the dancers, the musicians, the director, that everyone is just really, you can feel them working to get this over the line because a successful movie musical hasn't been made in so long. But there's also this kind of tragedy of the flying amber of like, none of those actors really got that, apart from Renee Zellweger, who did Judy and got an Oscar for it, but I didn't really like that movie. I just sort of respect it archly. Yeah, it's such a difference, isn't there? It's a difference, mm, you so, know? So clever. They and... never really got that showcase again. Yeah, that's so true. We never put them in musical again. Yeah. Richard Gere has been banned from China, so he, he can't be in films anymore, <laughs> which is a true thing. Well, why is he banned from China? Well, because, well. Well, because he's a really outspoken supporter of Tibet, and oh. um, so he's not put in any big movies anymore. This is real. Um, because... because they can't get the Chinese like, market to come yeah. see it. Yeah, ch- oh my film, God. Uh, literally the Chinese censors, censors won't let new films with Richard Gere in. So big studios are a bit like, we can't yeah. sell this film in China, so oh why would God. we cast Gere? Well, you know what? If he's had his run, he's got... He's still given us perfection smashes over, you know? over that time. But that is, that is yeah, horrifying. Um, and and yeah, then I think Renee and that. Catherine were just, I don't know, maybe they... Well, maybe they just got a bit old, like, a little older as well. Like, that's yeah. terrible to say, obviously, but like, you know, it's it's not it's not easy to to do all that stuff like it's it's lo- loads of dancing and it's like you know as yeah. someone who's now having to i mean i have to do very little dancing really um but it is it's incredibly difficult <laughs> i love my job it is incredibly it's incredibly difficult i think also like i read an interview with Catherine Dita jones where she talked about getting this part and like she said like even at the time this was she was like this is the only, this is the once in a lifetime yeah, role of like where it's all going to come together for me because like you know to be Catherine Zeta-Jones and be incredibly famous and beautiful and to be a dancer and a singer at the same time and like no one knew that somehow like she yeah. became this huge she was hugely famous and yet this role hadn't come up for her and did not come up for her again like I mean it's just like she didn't maybe she just didn't want it after that but like yeah. It's hard to it's hard to envisage. I think that's the thing about like when you achieve perfection as you do with Chicago. Um, where do you go? From where do you there? go? Where do you go? Well, what's amazing is that it was the first feature movie that Rob Marshall had ever directed. Yes, and <laughs> Sorry. say of the thing because we talk about it sometimes. He also choreographed the movie. Yeah, the director was the <laughs> director was the choreographer. For listeners, me and Tasha have watched this film a few times together, and every time she says it's because the director was the choreographer. It's true. It's become a bit of a private joke it's in my circles. It's just so beautiful. I'm so glad that we, we kind of we're committing it to record, part, you know, for the for the people. But like it, it's it's so that's like amazing for like six different reasons. Like first of all, the idea that this is his first directorial feature debut. Like imagine you've never directed, and then yeah. suddenly it's like you can audition anyone in the entire world for this movie. Movie, but if you fuck it up, you are done. Like yeah. that is it for you. Like he, to be fair, like I'm sure you're about stage. Like he'd had some, he had lots of stage credits, and he had directed Candor and Ebb, who wrote um, who wrote Chicago and also wrote Cabaret and wrote a Leslie, a few different musicals, including one called Kiss of the Spider Woman, which I also mm. recommend checking out because it's great. Um, and he'd done some work. I think he directed Kiss of the Spider Woman, and like so he was he was very familiar with musical world. But like the difference of that, and like and having to suddenly have this corral this army but I do think there's something about like as you said before about like everyone working hard and trying their best there's something about musical theatre where there are so many people that need to be on the top of their game for it to be good mm. like it's not like even because I, I would written I'd written plays and put on plays before in the past 
again with other with um, the same when, people. Do you credit plays music in them? Plays music in them for yeah. sure. And like you know, I've done other types of writing, but like there was, I've never ever, I've never experienced the kind of trust and faith that you have to have in so many different people in order for the thing to actually work. Suddenly, it's like sound design. If you don't have amazing sound design, your musical won't work. Mm. It just there's nothing. If lighting design, if your lighting is crap, it doesn't work. Like the costume, the set design, the like the direction, the choreographer, like it's it's I know it's kind of an obvious thing to say, but like it's such a it's such a collaborate it's the most collaborative medium I've ever experienced. And that is like both beautiful and joyous. And I think is the reason that it, <laughs> why people end up with marketing campaigns like, they've all worked so no, hard. <laughs> Because, because it's just like nothing like you can't really. I mean, maybe you can, but you can't really be a, like a maniacal. I think it, like a director or an author in that in that in that medium and and have the same sort of uh, success because it relies so heavily on so many different skills and so many different talents and and that's even before you've like cast people and they have to you sing it beautifully and they have to dance it and they have to act it and it all has to work together. Which again is just like to get all of that. In this, in this movie, it's just like for a guy who's never even directed a movie before to 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 take on that challenge and absolutely smash it out of the park. Like every time, I I can't watch um, the Starbuck Tango without just feeling like this yeah. is the peak of humans' creativity. Yeah, uh, ability. Yeah. Like every and it just it just goes up and up and up. It's like every single again you can tell he you can tell he's from musicals, but like that sequence every time that you're used to how beautiful something is like a sequence is mm. they add like he really drops that back wall and all of the women are lit up in the oh. back and it's just like you feel like you've been turned inside out by that point it is crazy yeah. and like as soon as that you've got used to that they're sort of through the bars and then they, they've got the amazing dance sequence with all of them on the ground and like you're then you're in among the dancers because i think that's what's amazing about the film medium is like it pays such beautiful homage to like what the stage spectacle of a backdrop dropping and being like i am now in an audience of a of a theater that you get that buzz but then on top of that he goes yeah but what if you could see every sinew what if you could like yeah watch that light past that dancer's neck as it's flowing which you don't get as on a stage it's like you get both like the show and the backstage pass of the show in the same sequence it's just <laughs> so and also you have that other layer on top of it and we've we've come skip to celibac tango but we will hit when you're good to mama because you can't not I'm, I'm just looking at the, the chronological track order but oh yeah so, if we, so, so just, just just to do the track order so you've got yeah. all, all that, that jazz, jazz which was the reason that actually as Catherine Zeta-Jones wanted to play Velma Kelly only because she knew that Velma Kelly got all that jazz and that was the, that was the song she wanted to sing even though technically like which is such Velma Kelly the, reasoning I know <laughs> I love how like oh that's just like the idea that Catherine Zeta-Jones is like I'll only do, do it if I can do all that jazz and yeah. like oh Person, of course, the person who says that has to play. Ah, uh, and this, and just the ending that whole number. Oh, I'm no one's oh, wife. And the police are coming in. Oh, oh. like they've got the direct, like the fucking guy with the badge staring at her. They yeah. take her to prison that night, and she's and like, they let her finish the number. Yeah, they do. <laughs> She's Velma Kelly. You get Velma Kelly to finish the number. Oh my god! <laughs> and also, and that sort of like that beautiful storytelling, that beautiful threading of like, I think the only real lines you get out of Renee Zellweger in that whole thing is like, oh, I thought we were gonna see about your friend, or like the yeah. thing of like she's been Fred Casely has promised. That. I think this, it's that, and right then she's like, tell it again, Fred. And she's like, you're gonna be a star kid. You're gonna be a star. It's like that's her actual orgasm. It's just a man saying to her, <laughs> you're, gonna you're gonna be, be a, a star. A furniture salesman. <laughs> With five little cases at home. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, all that jazz. 
absolutely incredible perfect perfect sets everyone up like you know having now written having now written actually four openings for the musical that I'm mm. that we've done and like <laughs> hopefully having finished now writing an opener writing a good opening for a musical is so hard and like all the jobs that you have to do admittedly mine is particularly difficult because you're also trying to go what's happening in a huge war yes <laughs> loads of detail Operation Men's Meat set in World War 2 it's set in World War 2 <laughs> we can maybe yeah, talk more about that it's, it's yeah it's come out of realm but yeah it's set in World War 2 it's a sort of spy caper set in World War 2 very but very funny <laughs> and uh, but yeah tr- trying to get to the end of that first number with everyone feeling like we've got our key characters we've got our sort of impetus we know what the premise is like we know we're going on from here so that you can land into your sort of I want song with all of that done mm. so you're not trying to do a bunch of other stuff with your I want song which kind of what you want your I want song to do is to kind of make your audience go I care about this person I yes. want their, I want to follow their story please let's go on the next thing which is what Roxy obviously well Roxy is until a bit later on Roxy happens actually happens in the, is funny honey is that oh cause, 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 yeah. of course of course because of Amos uh, yes yeah. it's, it's when she's like trying to which is the other thing that I love about Chicago so much like when you're watching a bad musical or musicals that make me feel really cold is when the um they're singing and I'm looking at the thing yes you know yes I mean? it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. they're singing about going to the big city and I'm and watching it. them walk on a pretend moving walkway holding a briefcase yeah, with yeah. like a, the shirt coming out of it like ha ah, and and this mom is kissing ding, him ding, goodbye ding. <laughs> <laughs> last call to the new city <laughs> It's like, what's the point? What's the point of having ears and eyes if yeah. they're both looking at the same thing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? And and Chicago has this great thing of like servicing you this song that's telling you one thing, but you're looking at mm-hmm. totally another, and that's that great thing of of Roxy's imagination. And it's this it's the first time we're really meeting Roxy, and it's like her singing about how much she loves her husband while she's framing him, and then him, and then he's not even like smart enough to get away with oh, no. taking the fall for his wife's and murder. I, and so it's it's and I don't you know, we've not really talked about the fact that it is based on a true it's based on a true yeah. story and it's based on it's not that they don't it's based on two murderers murderesses mm-hmm. um i was actually because it's based on chicago's actually based on a play um and based and the same woman wrote uh, who wrote the play was a, a, a reporter for the chicago tribune i think and she was investigating the spate of sort of murderesses in the 1920s and the and the, and the woman who's unfortunately no more, i can't recall but mm-hmm. who's based on uh roxy hart really did get her dear husband to pay for her entire court proceedings and then divorced him the next day. Oh. <laughs> so it's just like, it's all true. And, and also employed a both reaching for the gun defence. Yeah. Know? And this is the thing. It's like you can, this the journalistic frame stays on the entire yeah. movie, right? Well, exactly. And that's why, like, yeah, the character of um, Mary... Um, Marie, Marie Sunshine. Marie Sunshine is Christine like Christine Baranski. Uh, what I mean, she's a join. She's a join everything. She does. <laughs> um, but yeah, the 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 woman who wrote the play basically uh, based Mary was like Hedda Hopper. Yeah, think, yeah. yes, uh, based on her on her that Mary character Mary Sunshine on herself and her role in that in the whole in the whole thing of like, and yeah, and like it, because it's it's a whole musical. It's a movie about people wanting attention and wanting to, to get yeah. their name to get their name in the papers, you know, and like that the final. I mean, the final line of the of the whole movie is Roxy and Velma shouting, you know, thank you so much. We could not have done this without you. And it's just like the whole, yeah, it's the whole symbiosis between the press and the crimes and Chicago. And like, and it feels like sort of gone off on off a bit here, but like it feels every time we watch it, and we said this before, like it's still <laughs> completely true. It's, it's still, still that thing true. of like this, how much press can be whipped up 
And yeah. like, how much can that be used to your advantage? And how much is it? And how can the press turn on you? And like, who's in control here? Like, who yes. who runs this circus? Who runs the old razzle dazzle? Yeah. Um, and it and it and it remains this like incredibly true parable. And this whole idea of like murder as entertainment has become like. Like we're in the twenties again. Yeah. We're literally in the twenties, and our interests are still <laughs> there. <laughs> like people fucking chaining murder podcasts. Like it's gone out of style. Like oh, you God, could, so you could see it happening again in yeah. twenty in the twenty twenty in the twenty twenties, and like, and it's it, this fascinating thing of like, you know, if you think of Roxy of that song and that that the. the the denouement of that song being like, and they love them for loving me. They love them. They just gonna love my child. Yeah, and this this um, realization that Roxy, what yeah, what she wants, her I want is is fame above all else, and that's how she began. Even before she was a murderer, that was everything that she wanted. And this idea, this, this fake idea that people go into fame with, people who crave fame, which is that f- attention will save you. Yes, and in Chicago and in in many real cases I imagine fame does save yeah. you attention does save you and people caring does save you and the um having having a mouthpiece saves you having someone who will speak for you like someone like Billy Flint to literally speak for you and who's respectable will save you and then in the center of it we have this like very in this very camp outsized film where everyone's an anti-hero and no one's sympathetic there's this tiny like kernel of the the Hungarian woman who dies ugh in the cell block tango in the cell block tango uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> not guilty <laughs> and it like it is it gets me more and more every time I think I think I always found it as a teenager sort of elegant and beautiful and the idea of her as ballerina and this sort of vanishing act kind of thing I found it just very cool but like um, I think the older you get and the more you learn about how the world actually works you're like oh yeah people who immigrants can't represent themselves and yeah. people who can't speak English can't represent themselves and those who don't re- who can't get representation die <laughs> and yeah. or fall through the cracks I think that's done is so incredibly well and again like one of the reasons that I feel like it, it's so it's so important that it is a movie and not just a musical, which is kind of a weird thing to say. Is like the managing to like have the juxtaposition of the amazing ballerina act mm. and and the horrible trudge that you watch her go up to the gallows. Yeah, and her like you see how lumpy her socks are. Even, yeah, and it's like a horrible day. And like they they've obviously purposefully done it so it's maximum sort of traumatic to watch but kind of goes this is yeah but you need to see the yeah. difference between the sparkly sparkly world of 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 this of what we all want to escape into yeah and what actually happens uh, as, as a result of our fixation with with just glitz and glamour and beauty yeah and um, it's this incredible sort of reminder of the stakes as well yeah, which yeah. is something if you've ever written any kind of story for anyone with musical or novel or whatever the most annoying note you'll ever get is but the stakes don't feel high <laughs> enough high. it's like well she's dead well, <laughs> she's dead it's not enough for you <laughs> um, no yeah and I think also like in terms of like small glimmers of humanity like and again, we're sort of not really going by the, the song list, but I think Mr. Cellophane and the mm. character of Amos, which is the fact that it is like based on a real guy and like a yeah. genuine husband, like that must have been a really good impetus to come out. No, no, this is true. This is the truth. This is what happened. This guy puts everything into this this murderess. Yeah. At the end, she fakes a pregnancy, gets off scot free, and then and then he he dumps her. But I think um, it's it it could be it could easily be like a kind of a forgettable number, you know, of, as mm. is almost the point of Mr. Cellophane. But I think everyone knows it. Everyone remembers that kind of tiny port in the storm of the of the whole mm. move, which is just like this 
solid man <laughs> with his little clown makeup on. I know. Oh, Human beings ugh, made them more, more than, than air. air. And it's and it's and it's so. But like, I feel like if if you were like, there's there's the opportunity there. You could have you could have made a story happier. You could have seen maybe see Amos at the end of the story, and maybe he's going off to a better life. But you don't see any of that. It's just like mm. good characters get no redemption. Yes. Good characters, good things do not happen to good people. And it's amazing because there are very few musicals. I can't really think of any others that are like huge family favorites and like famous, 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 where good people don't yeah. <laughs> win. The baddies, you, you root for the bad guys the whole way through and you come out still feeling like a million, million bucks because you're <laughs> like, well, I've had a great time. And it's just really, it's really interesting that like how, yeah, what why anyone sort of thought that this story would work as a musical when like the whole kind of premise of going to see a musical is to come and go in and come out feeling lighter and brighter yeah. about the world. And you still do, but it's through the pure power of entertainment. And like, it's, because the songs and the craft are so gorgeous and it's funny and it's dark and it's spooky and it's like, and all of that is more important ultimately when you're viewing it than being like, yeah, but do we like Velma Kelly? Yeah. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Uh, uh, and it's, we, there's so much like quite boring conversation about like likable female mm, characters. Oh, God, and yes. And everybody thinks that because they like, you know, they'll have a character who's like a bit catty once to their best friend <laughs> yeah. in the sitcom. Give her a side eye. Give her a side a eye. Like, She's a flawed female character. She's messy. <laughs> She's so messy. I love it. But it's like, this is mess. This is fucking, this is a couple of bitches. <laughs> Clawing their way out of hell. Yeah. Just like pushing each other's faces down into the dirt. But yeah, and yet like, I feel like, again, because it's just a testament to how well it's made. When when Velma Kelly has to come to Roxy and you get Can't Do It Alone. And like the power dynamics shifted so much by this point. Roxy is their fucking hot shit. And Velma kind of slinks over to her with some chocolates. Yeah. Bonbons. Bonbons. And you just... And 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 Box is just like I'm watching my figure. It's just like oh, they're so horrible to them. But like you feel, you oh, feel for them. But when I kinda... she's scrapbooking, she's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you got a little. Keep up. You you got to mention right next to the obituaries. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like quite literally like one of the, they could die. Yeah. And there's there's no no remorse, no friendship, no, no. nothing. Um, I I I feel like we've skipped over when you're good to Mala, and I really like Sorry, to go back to let's it. Let's go back to it. No, absolutely. It's not even that I have anything specific to say. It's just my favorite. <laughs> is it your favorite? Is it favorite in the show? I think it could be my favorite in the show. Um, I think I don't know. Something just. So... I think the performance version of it is like, as in, like the, when you cut to mm-hmm. um, Queen Latifah 
like doing the performance version it's so exquisite and she looks absolutely amazing yeah. and there's quite a lot of like maybe more than the other songs like quite a lot of like audience interaction that she has with like the people at the club yes it's just kind of like you just get that sense of like they are having the best night of their entire lives those people the greatest um, show on earth the greatest show on <laughs> earth and then you could, and that is completely endlessly interspliced with just like you know getting a pack of cigarettes and slipping in a girl's garden and being yeah. like that is this you know in terms of realities that is the same glamorous as this enormous show like because in you know when you're in prison it's kind of like oh my god I've got a fucking pack yeah. of cigarettes and managed to do it like the sort uh, of switch of power is just oh, so delicious and if you think of like you don't really get that much screen time with Queen Latifah apart from that song no and like she's a she is a facilitator she's the person who like puts in the phone calls for you or whatever but even so there's still so much mystery to that character that I find so tantalising mm. like is she gay? I think so but not <laughs> yeah, it's like not yeah again it's just like it's not ostensibly you won't see her in yeah screen, but surely she feels gay <laughs> she feels gay but in a way that's mostly about exploiting people <laughs> yeah it's sort of just like sort of like lesbian power sort yeah of, yeah yeah but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But she, I think also because like in the musical version, she has another song. Class. She has class with yeah. Velma. So maybe it's like in the stage version, you maybe like get a bit more. But even then it's like, but you don't need it. Like, I don't you feel, don't, that's you don't it, feel I like the mystery sitting where it is, yeah. you know? And this thing of like, uh, the the folks atop the ladder are the ones the world adores who so boost me up my ladder, kid, and I'll, I'll boost, boost you, you up, up yours. yours. <laughs> I'm not going to sing in front of you because... <laughs> Please. You do it for a living. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'll take you to the producer. <laughs> and like just this notion that like, you know, you don't... Everybody is on the make and on the take mm-hmm. in this movie, apart from Amos, who obviously is screwed over by the narrative. And I, can't, I know we've said it already, but it's just... I love that. <laughs> I think also like, I think it's just a really good example of like a song where like... You set out the thing. It's it's a classic realm song, you know. So it's like you set out the thing at the top, which is like mm. this is gonna be a song about you helping me, helping you. Mm. And so then then they just have like the really fun time with all like just the yeah. images of me like you know the stroke and the you know they're in the full stroke together like the Princeton crew, you know exactly. And just being like it's just such a luxurious song. Like it's just such a joy. Yeah. Because you're like. You don't have to, you know, again, the thing with like with like a corridor song or whatever you want to call it is like, you kind of have to think quite a lot. You're like, okay, so we're here and then I've, that's mm-hmm. information I'm going to have to retain in that character's. Whereas this is just like, it's just you and Queen Latifah. It's just like blood and spreading butter on toast and eating it on down. Uh, it's just like, just sunny, let them melt. Just watch it like in the hands of a fucking master. And also I think you get the impression that like, she's not a going to be like an important plot character this is her moment mm. and so it's just like she just eats it fucking eats it up she fucking eats it eats it up and it's just um, it's just miraculous and what a great part like I just feel like it's a bit like kind of like the the king in um, Hamilton it's kind of like yes. you don't have much to do you don't have get too much in, to do get out. you get in you fucking barnstorm the house down everyone loves you and it's like oh, no, I'm after, I, and it's I, what I everyone's too, talking about in the, the interlude yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whereas Roxy and Velma, it's like, you got to dance for fucking the whole show. Yeah. I would like us next to talk about um, <laughs> We Both Reach for the Gun. Uh, this might, it's, I, think it's, I think when I saw it when I was little, this was the sequence that made me lose my, yeah. my whole mind. I just couldn't believe what I was watching. I think because, like, maybe this is the one, in terms of what it looks like, it's the most sort of theatrical. Like, mm. you, you cut to that stage version where they're all sort of ventriloquist dummies and, like, there's a lot of sort of chair, chair work. <laughs> <laughs> 
so much chair work because actually in the film version in the in the kind of reality version you're just in that one place you're in that on that one journalist stand you know billy flynn is doing a press conference with roxy mm. and she needs to toe the line and she's not doing so she's you know he's going to mm. speak for her um, and so it's like a beautiful, clean setup. Ventriloquist dummy, great, yum, we're in. Mm. But actually, the majority of the action happens in the in the kind of stage world version, where all suddenly you get like all the dancers look amazing, and like the, the choreography is just incredible, and you have all this kind of like like flighty work with all the all the kind of wires yes. and stuff. And it's and just... it's another it's another um, the the backdrop going up and revealing yes. more of the press. Yes, and... so true. Just can't be a yeah, like big reveal. I feel like he he like this Rob Marshall. What he did, what he realized was that you can you can get across that feeling, that stage feeling. Because I feel like yes, there's a lot of you know you'd be tempted to be like, well, you can't have the feeling of oh my god, now there's fifty of them in a quite the same way if it's a movie. But actually, if you're smart, you absolutely can, and also you get to do that the kind of. Um, yeah, the juxtaposition of like real world, fake world. Oh, it's just because it makes everything into a music video because you have all the quick cuts back and forth, back and forth. So you get that constant dopamine hit, like you when you're sort of 13, 13 watching MTV. I'm just like, this is the most exciting thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I'd love to know how many cuts there were all over that movie. It'd just be like millions. But it makes it so exciting. It's so <laughs> exciting. The reason it works. I do, I do really believe that there aren't. If you're a millennial, you were one of two kinds of teenage girls, mm-hmm. which was you were a cell block tango girl mm-hmm. or you were a boat before the gun girl. <laughs> That's so true. Oh my God. It's That's so true. You were either like choreographing little girl group oh. numbers and having a great time with your like big gang of, of mm-hmm. girlfriends and, and all that kind of stuff. Or, or you were meticulously learning the difference of the, oh yes, so yes, so yes, they both, oh yes, they both, yes, they both reach for the gun, the gun, the gun, the gun, oh yes, they both reach for the gun, the gun, the gun. Nice to meet you. Hi, yeah. We know who we are. Madison, which time were you? <laughs> no shame. No shame in not being. No shame. Both. Both, both beautiful, valid. valid types of girl. Absolutely. The only horoscope I'm interested in. Were... <laughs> it's going to be some, some girls like writing in now being like, I was I was more of a razzle-dazzle girl. Uh, I mean, I just yeah. don't. I, I don't, don't trust a razzle-dazzle girl. That's weird. Although I do. Get something that, that's razzle-dazzle really is a pick-me girl. <laughs> Um, the, the, yeah, it's like it's the, that is the the sweaty palmed loner energy. Um, so yeah, Act One in the show uh, ends with "I just can't do it alone," which is just an absolute stormer um, mm. from uh, Roxy Mama. Because it's interesting, like it's re- what you have to think about when you turn. I'm, I imagine I'm not, I'm not done adaptation just yet, but obviously when it's a traditional stage musical, your end of Act One closer mm. has to be an absolute f- firestormer, but also Generally speaking, Act 1s are much longer than Act 2s. Generally speaking, Act 1 is an hour and a half-ish, and then Act 2 would be 45 minutes. Mm. And so it makes like plotting the movie version quite complicated. I know for a fact, for instance, that they've... And, and vice versa, so they're doing Wicked. They're adapting Wicked for, for a film at the moment. Oh, yes. And I don't know how much you know about Wicked, but it ends... I've seen it. Have you seen it? So mm-hmm. it ends with Define Gravity. Gravity, of course. Like, create, like the, big, the big number. But, like... Actually, in terms of like plot arc, it happens in quite a, a annoying place for for, for your story because mm. like that that's like an hour and a half of story has to have passed by for you to get to yes. defying gravity, and then in a whole new stuff happens. And so I think they they've announced recently that it's actually going to be two films. What? <laughs> I know <laughs> that's so dumb. That's Isn't so Ariana dumb. Grande um thingy? Yeah, Alphabet. Um, Alphabet. Yeah, Alphabet. 
Oh, Ariana. Oh, I don't know. I mean, she might be playing. I can't remember what she's playing. But um, but yeah, because it's the it's kind of weird, lumpy plotting. It's like it's mm. similarly with so Frozen. Obviously, is a was a movie first, and mm. then had to, and then was adapted into a stage musical. Any use as a stage show? I'm not. I'm not seeing okay. it. But um, I can't. I'm too poor to go watch. <laughs> if you're watching, if you're listening as a person, I'd love to come and see it. But it's meant to be. It's meant to be absolutely like spectacle wise, amazing. Um, but the, the 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 kind of central question about it was because the the huge number in Frozen is mm-hmm. let it go. Mm-hmm. But actually, that ha- song happens pretty early on in the in the movie. It happens yeah. like 20 minutes in or whatever. It's like, hey, she's free. She lives in a mountain now. Mm-hmm. Bye. But like, they could not have had that stage musical not end act one with that without that number so apparently what they've had to do is like fill loads of extra story like Ooh. what about life around the castle <laughs> <laughs> what's going on with these villagers let's do a song about that just so that you can engineer like that song for your end of act one. Oh, it's so interesting and why is it that like the I, I understand like why the end of act one has to sort of end on your best song or your most memorable song really is it because you're afraid that people are going to just fuck off yeah I guess so I think well, we want people to go come back the interval from the being like I want I want to drink and talk and stay in this world forever because they're like yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not that many art forms where you let people out halfway through and give them, a, give them an yeah, option as, as to whether you want to go back in like no one wants to be given that option and be like mm, I'll go that's fine uh, um, enough for me thank and you. It's, it's enough for me so I think yeah this end of our one number is like hugely hugely important um, and I can see why in Chicago what they do with it is like well, well the second half is the court case yeah yeah oh, it just gives you everything you it want it gives you everything <laughs> Oh. Um, but it sort of puts uh, yeah I simply can't do it cannot do it alone just sort of gives a huge big stage dance vaudeville number to your main dancer which is yeah Thelma Kelly and letting her just completely uh, fly fly free so um, but I think good. in the in the musical version yeah I don't know whether Roxy is slightly more involved obviously in the, in the film she just sits in a chair looking yeah I'm impressed like a bitch I always love that little fart noise she makes in her mouth yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's it's quite airy. It's yeah, a very it airy is, fart. It is. Delicate little jewel <laughs> sound. It's like it's it's like um the thing is the non singing moments in Chicago feel like singing because they there's like something Go on. something um Janina said on our Titanic episode which was um the thing that modern blockbuster filmmakers lose. And the, the Christopher Nolan effect on on mainstream movies is they forget that you should leave a cinema wanting to say things, <laughs> wanting you know Billy wanting to say things. Yeah, you want to leave Titanic saying I put the diamond in the coat and I put the coat on her. Like it's such a, like, fun bits and like like just like slightly kind of camp ways of yeah. saying quite ordinary lines. Mm-hmm. Like there's all there's so many like uh, tiny line deliveries I remember in Chicago that, that make me want to say the things. Like there's this bit where um. In I Can't Do It Alone, where Velma's calling after Roxy and she goes, Why? And he goes, Because I hate you. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I hate you. Because I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I think also that is probably like inherited from the fact that, like, in musicals, whenever you're not singing, it kind of feels like the audience is there being like, Yeah, well, can you get to a song. Yeah. So you're like, it has to, you have to be so efficient with your dialogue because ultimately you get so used to that, like, roller coaster of like this orchestra, you know, with stuff. And we're doing a song, we're doing a song, and we're ending the song, applause, yeah. applause, applause. And you go, you go, you know, you go power with loads of pace and energy into your next scene. But the kind of return of that is like, they'll be like, When's the next one? Come on, come on, come on. When's the next When's one? When's the next one? So like, if you, if you have a lot of information, or even if you don't, you just want to do some character time in your scenes. 
your lines have to be like so sharp and pithy mm. and like say the most you can in the fewest possible lines because everyone's there being like no matter how good this is it's not singing it's not it's not singing is it it's not singing why aren't you singing this we used to do right singing now um but yeah it's like a thing that we've we came across like a lot when writing this music or the operation mince me is just like because we we are used to writing plays and like that's all dialogue and it's all like we'll do a little we'll do a little like you know sub layer into a little joke oh we'll do some jokes over here and we'll mm-hmm. do some jokes over there and come out you're being like this script is really it's really zingy it's really great and then you put it on stage in a musical and suddenly you feel so quickly the kind of weight the dead weight of like fun little bits so true and in a way that you wouldn't if it was a a play because it's all fun little bits and that's great but like you can feel the audience being like what are you doing (laughs) what what, what, is this this for it's so true what's going on and it's where like physical non-speaking bits really come into their own mm. the bit I think about I actually said this to you on the way here the bit in your musical about as I said to you makes me feel like a baby <laughs> like a baby <laughs> like a ba- there's just a bit it's like this it's it's almost like it's something from a silent movie where it's like a character passing two characters passing a phone and a hat to each other mm. for maybe three minutes a phone a hat and a briefcase <laughs> a phone a hat and a briefcase <laughs> don't forget the briefcase and I feel it's like a, bit of a six month old in a high chair <laughs> being fed with a spoon <laughs> that's a plane and I believe it's a plane and like those moments and it's weird because I, I'm writing quite a lot of scripts now and the first draft it's always just people standing around talking in rooms forever mm. and then with each subsequent draft um, physical sort of things stand in for words and you kind of you trim that's how my process seems to be anyway you just trim out more and more words and like there's like bits in Chicago like for example when um, Billy Flint is deciding whether to take Amos's case I can imagine that first draft was like a long dialogue yeah. scene, but instead it's just him turning around in his chair and then him turning back around and putting his hand on the little stack <laughs> yeah. of money. It's like I will take you. It is. Here. It's almost embarrassing how, as a, as writers, to be like you want to be like you. I'm sorry, the audience will not understand this nuance unless we put in mm. this monologue about how much she loves beans. Like, <laughs> like it just she the needs beans. A fork. The beans are so much. Fork. Fork to How will the fork dynasty begin if we haven't <laughs> set out the bean conundrum? Yeah, and actually, you, someone just goes, "Yeah, but what if he just sort of went over to the door and turned back?" Like, and you're yeah. like, "That's five pages of dialogue." I just, I just lost. You just don't need it. You just yeah. don't, and it is like binned. And it's. I think what's really great about again, sort of like staying on stage, is that. Uh, well first of all you get to uh, if you're writing a stage thing and you're putting it on you get to change every night and like mm. so if it's the first time you've done it you can be like great five pages of dialogue we did it everyone was cross fine okay four pages of dialogue with everyone still cross three pages of dialogue and then suddenly you hit the sweet spot and it's yeah. like oh it was a look oh my god it was just and a like, look having that ability to test it and change it and like remould it which I imagine for you you know you write your majority writing books and it's mm-hmm. like that can't change is that weird yeah it is. It is weird. What's the weirdest thing is that like the changes in a book, which I generally write from a first person perspective. Mm. It's like people can just have their thoughts for days. <laughs> Someone's when in a, they thought enough. They just have a thought for ages. Someone says something and they think about that for ages as well. <laughs> and then maybe they go somewhere else and have a sandwich. You know what I mean? Like, chapter four. Chapter four. <laughs> and um, then you um, you change it to sort of a visual medium and suddenly gestures and things yeah. that they physically do with their bodies have to stand in for thoughts yeah that's so true you can't like narrate yeah and that has been the the steepest climb for me yeah as an artist um but yeah i imagine because obviously yeah, chicago was first a play and then a musical and now it's movie version it must have had so much like rigorous like training on audiences yeah and like for years and years and years until it was just like there was just nothing not just absolutely one. nothing left 
Stop sliding that money into the... It's so good. It's a pile of money on the table and he just puts it all money. into it. He doesn't count it. He just like slides it all messily into the drawer and closes <laughs> the drawer. What do you think about Lucy Liu's weird cameo in this movie? Oh my God, that's such... That's such a great question. I mean, I love it. I think it's. I think it's. Fantastic. I love it too. But it's the one part where I don't understand why it's there. A bit. I get, I get no. No. I do understand why it's Isn't there. Like you don't know why it's there or why it's Lucy Liu. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think it's why it's Lucy Liu is a big part of it because like. Because she was such a big name and you're kind of waiting for her to do something. Yeah. And all she does is like kick, a, kick somebody and we never see her again. In a bra. In a lovely kick bra. Kick somebody in a lovely bra. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're right in that like you could almost slide out that whole sequence and it wouldn't yeah. make any difference. But I think what it does really nicely is that because you're cutting, as I recall, you're cutting back and forth between Billy Flynn telling the story of it yes. in a kind of cabaret bar with loads of people laughing. Ha ha ha, it's really funny. And then you're watching it fall out for real. Mm-hmm. And there's the kind of, what I always remember about that is like how harrowing the kind of the 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 jump between Billy Flynn with his cigar and I was like mm. he's in like a golden sh-, and like everyone's like huh? and, yeah. and like he does the dialogue of yes, the murder yes. and then you sort of you sort of see them do it like with no with no audio in in like their real flat where she's pointing the gun at the husband mm-hmm. and there's two lovers and like and it's so horrible and you can see they're genuinely pleading for their lives yeah and yeah just like she's tears down her face and she pulls the trigger but you just cutting back and forth between it like the act and the story of it like the act and the story of the act like how the horrible thing that's happened and how it will be told and like yeah. that encapsulation of the whole again the whole thing which is like murder is entertainment murder is entertainment it's murder just like a bit. it's just like a beautiful kind of sequence that's just kind of like if it's almost like kind of like <laughs> if you wanted to yeah do a pilot of this musical it would just be like it's yeah. just that it's, it's the idea of glamorous murder horrible and then how it's going to get told to yes. other people and then this great thing of like it diverting attention away from Roxy and yes sort of, yes and it's the thing that like puts her in line because at that point she's like become a diva she's a little big her... for all boots <laughs> yeah. I hope it doesn't hurt the baby <laughs> so good <laughs> you go to the other shows. shit <laughs> I love that. I, lo- I love the whole baby thing because it's like you're just so used to so much sort of like preciousness around sort of femaleness and pregnancy. Oh, yeah, and that's so true. The idea that it would be something you'd come up with yeah. just in the spur of the moment I to get a bit of attention is so fun to I me. I think like, possibly one of the reasons that we particularly chime so much with Chicago is because it's a perfect piece of art, but it's just yeah. like celebration of women being kind of stupid and weird and cruel and mean. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. I kind of feel like we're just so, we're so sick of nice women yeah. who are brave and smart I know I hate them <laughs> those brave smart bitches I don't want women lifting each other up oh, I don't want to tear them down fake <laughs> the pregnancies murder the fucking lover like I think that like on, in ongoing I feel like there's not enough maybe attention paid for the fact that like it is just such a great homage to women not having to ask for permission to be interesting you know what I mean just yeah, being like yeah. what's her redeeming there isn't one she's There's just an no interesting one. person and it's such an important part of the opening bars of Cell Black Tango it's so important that the first guy, the first murder in that song is because a guy chews and pops his gum <laughs> yeah. too much popping popping it or is it the first one what's the thing that no, yeah, but yeah, yeah right. pops like, but, her, yeah. but like every because like it could very easily like, that song could so easily be women who were put upon beaten, the beaten yeah. and, and abused and like they absolutely deserve you know and we could be on but like what's amazing yeah. is you hear their reasons they are nothing and yet you're still just like yeah yeah it coming <laughs> it was a murder but not a crime it was a murder but not a crime just like because you get this sense of like the years I think the reason is getting too deep into it but like the years of accumulated shit that these women have put, have put mm. up with that even like 
they don't have yeah, and like kind of separately like, mean nothing. Separately the... mean nothing, but together it's like it's hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you want to stab you a guy. You've been screwing the milkman, he says. <laughs> <laughs> da, da. <laughs> he kept on screaming. You've been screwing the milkman. It's just like there is like an oddly primitive, like primal release in that song that I think is one of the reasons it's like one of the most sort of famous songs in it, which is just like. There's not one reason. It is a million mm. tiny reasons, mm. and the and the reason that you that you watch that and it's just so delicious is because you're kind of going, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah. One of those Mormons, you know. <laughs> one of those Mormons, you know. <laughs> um, we are running out of time. <laughs> We've not even got to act two. Ten to two. <laughs> we got it at half twelve. <laughs> then we could listen for. We could let's talk about it forever. forever. I mean, no one's kicking us out, so I guess we just keep talking. Have we actually been talking for that long? Yeah, we have. <laughs> they had it coming. They though. had it coming. Um, all right, we gotta go to. <clears throat> I mean, do you have anything to say about the the, the courtroom representation? Because I think that is the most dialogue that we get in the whole movie. Is this? Is it before Razzle Dazzle? Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Razzle Dazzle comes of... first, and then the courtroom. Yeah. So hang on, Razzle Dazzle comes first and in the courtroom. So she, so we get the Lucy Lou bit and then she's been cowed because she's realised she's been a diva and now she's yes, terrified. Now she's wearing the horrible dress. She's wearing she the horrible dress. It. She's seen a Hungary, an innocent Hungarian woman get murdered mm-hmm. and Lucy Lou kick it. a photographer and put the wind up her. <laughs> As it would. As it would. And she's like, Billy, I'm nervous. And he's like, no, it's a circus. It's Don't worry. Circus. And then, yeah. he, then they open the door and yeah. then it goes into Razzle Dazzle. I actually think, for my money... Razzle Dazzle is not a very interesting song. No. But I think the way that it's presented mm. in, in the film makes it one of the most great the one of the great sequences in mm. the in the movie. Yeah, what do we call the... that room or corridor? <sighs> Such a good question. I would say as a as audio, it is absolutely room. Mm. But in the presentation of the because yeah, we start at the end of the because no, because we, we actually actually to be fair, we begin the song her walking to the courtroom and it ends mm. with her taking the the, the stand. The stand. Yeah. So really, it's sort of still a room mm. song, isn't mm. it? But you do, but you get a sense of stuff happening and time passing. Yeah, because I think it's like one of the only times in the movie that the two worlds completely combine. I remember like the physical like goosebumps I got when because you have like the shot of the jury. And then, mm. like, the shot of the jury is, is real, and then the kind of cut to the fictional cabaret world of mm. the dancers there. And then at the, but certain moments in the song, the dancers come through the jury box in yes. the real world. And, like, that meshing, the, the worlds kind of bleed properly the first mm. time. It's kind of like, this is the culmination. This is what it's been leading towards. Now there's no difference between the performance and the performance. Yes. Like, it's all performance. Because the core is performance, oh. yes. And just being, like, completely electrified by, like, the fact that they had been building that this entire time and like this is when they're going to merge them. So yeah, I like, it's not my, it's the song that I would skip like when I used to mm. listen to the, <laughs> used to. the album. Used to. <laughs> when, I, when I was like not cool, not like I uh, I would, I would, I would probably skip past Razzle Dazzle but I do think it's like a sh- for absolute showpiece. Mm. And, and this is nice to just watch Richard. I mean, I, do you think, I'm trying to like, do you think he's better in um, All I Care About Is Love or Razzle Dazzle? In that movie, do I actually enjoy any of his songs for the songs themselves? I wonder. Yeah. So that's what you gotta ask yourself. That bit in all I care about is love when he's like riding the chariot of women. <laughs> no, I think what's that? Like one of their legs is like the like the handbrake. Yeah, it is amazing. <laughs> yes, the handbrake <laughs> leg. And again, I think again, it's like it's so good as a movie because you get to see him in real life just being like a dick, like he's in the tailor and they're yeah. not doing it properly, and like he's just turning down cases left, right, and center. Yeah, because he's a prick. And then in the in the song, it's just like all he cares about is love. 
And this thing of like, this is somebody who has like built their reputation on defending women who doesn't give a fuck about women. Yeah. <laughs> and he will ride them like a chariot yeah, to the absolutely. top. And every, every single one of his clients gets off because yeah. he's just, he's just so good. And it's all just, it's all terrible. It's all so corrupt. And yet you're yeah. just like, yay. And then we, we have the, mo- obviously, I think what I find so clever is the thing of in the courtroom itself when you have all these like, it's, I think it's, it's sort of implied over several days of presenting evidence and such and such. And they must do their diligence, the, Caroline. The bit with the a diary. A man has died. A man has died. Five little cases. Five little home. cases. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but they have the, um, ladies and gentlemen, a tap dance. Kind oh, of yeah. So you have this percussive beat that's going through all this sort of dialogue and bits. Yeah. Oh. Do it again. Just a, just a little musical theatre sketon for those of them. Yeah, it's like it's like his closing argument or something, isn't it? Yeah. It's like when he's when he interviews Erroneous. Doesn't Erroneous. that sound like a word a lawyer might use? Objection. Oh god. Is there anything more exciting than a courtroom scene? Oh, planting a fake diary. But, and nothing more exciting than that. <laughs> Erroneous. <laughs> Apparently this tap dance took half a day to film, this little tap dance sequence. I feel like you don't really even see him. That's 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 the... an that's an excerpt from They Tried So Hard. Fresh <laughs> <laughs> campaign. He tried so hard. I just I'd love to get that PR girl in. Of yeah, course she's a woman great. now. <laughs> she's a woman now. Um I guess I mean we should probably close up with um with nowadays. And but that bit where oh, it's the only time that we see Roxy actually performing as herself, a woman in the real oh world. Oh my god! I'm like, it's it's just such a because because it's because it, it goes from her performing nowadays in like the fake spectacle yeah. world, um, where and and the and the and the, the spotlight slowly dims on her yeah. face and she's like trying to stay in the spotlight yeah, and yeah. it and it closes and then you cut to her in a shitty yeah club essentially with not much range <laughs> with not a lot of range auditioning and like her moves are so crap like she's not really dancing she's like you can like the life you're living <laughs> it's just you're like oh, and it's like that sense of like all this for that for that for yeah. that and like she gets like three bars down her down her audition and Tatex is on the piano yeah. and he gives back her music she's like no it's and like the, the, the people auditioning people like run out of the room to get yeah. away from her oh. and it's just so Nothing. It's like the most amazing anticlimax for all this business. And this thing of like, you've been, because everything exists in Roxy Hart's head, you've been led to believe that, yeah, okay, yes, she's a horrible, selfish, murdering woman. But who surely. Feels no, but she's got talent and yeah. she needs, and, but actually she doesn't have talent. She doesn't. <laughs> and it's that exact thing of being like, okay, if you stripped away everything, if you just had nothing but the music and the girl in the room, mm. could she wow the people? And it's like, no. No. No, and yeah. then and then amazing, of course, like and then Velma mm. comes in and her stockings are all ripped because she's not getting the job she used to, and she's like, Mur- one murderer is nothing, but two. <laughs> and then, I would see the show. Oh, I would see the show, and also like because like then you're like in this beautiful huge theater, and like the backdrop is beautiful, and their costumes are amazing, and it's suddenly like, and that's what they need, like yeah. without the razzle dazzle, without all of everything around it, it's nothing. It doesn't exist, and everyone's there. Everyone's there. Billy Flynn's clapping, and the Queen Latifah's clapping. Everyone, yeah, and like you have that amazing sort of like juddery, strange camera where it's like flashes, and it suddenly goes into almost like a drunken, surreal dream state, just to kind of be like almost kind of like landing you out of this world that you've just been in. It's like kind of saying you have to, you know, it's goodbye to this place now, and you don't want to leave because it's so beautiful, and you're like, you know, it's all nonsense, you know, it's all pixie dust, and yet you want to like you just want to stay there. And they have the machine guns and the lights. Machine guns. And it's like 
the music is so gorgeous and the orchestration is so gorgeous and they and they just it's just the two of them just dancing like there's no yeah you know it's it's in their gorgeous outfits and it's just like such a great yeah celebration of just like them as artists them as people but also like it's just been for nothing and it's all just <laughs> nonsense it's just such a crazy cocktail of like you feel all of those things of like all that for this two show yeah. and yet you are completely intoxicated, intoxicated. and you don't want and you're it like, they deserve this I hope they take it worldwide <laughs> yeah. I hope they get it in the talkies and, the, <laughs> and, the, and like yeah there's the, the, the frenzy of the of the crowd yeah. and being like the passion you of the, just like, want that star to keep rising yeah. you don't want either of them to see a lick of justice yeah no and it's just like you know that the, the craziness and the frenzy of it being like this is what makes people stars it most what makes people murderers and it's kind of like you need that yeah. fire man like it's almost <sighs> that justification of like this is passion passion at people kill people <laughs> and you kind of you kind of like people kill, kill people, people. <laughs> if you write a musical you're gonna you know and it's cool to be around and it's cool. <laughs> yeah and it's kind of like it's that you kind of end on that thing of like if you can't have one without the other like if you yeah. want this feeling of this crazy freight train headed towards the fucking sun you're gonna have to accept that <laughs> people, people kill each people. other because <laughs> it's the same it's the same thing Oh, oh god. We couldn't have done it without you. We couldn't have done it without really, you. Really, we couldn't have done it without it's you. It's just yeah, it's just such a gorgeous final <sighs> line. Oh my god. And I couldn't have done this podcast without you. Oh, I simply <laughs> could not do it alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've as we've talked for an incredibly long amount of time, oh, and I'm sure I've got no saliva left, but a lot of a lot of dreams still <laughs> in my dreams. heart. Um, we've talked a little bit about Operation Mincemeat, but how how and where can oh, people get tickets? I'd love to plug my show. Thank you so much. So it's on at the Fortune Theatre uh, as of March. Uh, as you go to operationmincemeat.com, uh, you can uh, buy all the tickets, and indeed you must, uh, and find out how much my own uh, musical theatre critique adds up to um, <laughs> my own my own show. Don't expect Chicago, but do expect murders. <laughs> oh, there is murder. There is murder. And what's the general plot of Operation so Mince Meat? Yeah, thank you so much. Says the girl I've seen it four times. <laughs> <laughs> so it's based, it's it's a kind of a crazy spy caper based on a true story of an operation that happened in, during World War II, uh, where the Allies were losing uh, the war spectacularly, and then a crazy scheme was cooked up by a couple of hopefuls uh, to dress up a dead man as a uh, Allied soldier, throw him in the sea with some fake plans and hope that the Germans might just find him believe all the fake stories and move loads of troops so that we could invade a, a place we wanted to invade and it's completely crazy a ridiculous story but it is completely uh, true and if you think you've seen a film about that starring Colin Firth no you haven't no you haven't <laughs> boring all I can say is that Colin Firth uh, plays my part and yes. I say not as well I mean I've not I've not watched it but I imagine from reports no I've you had can't from, watch it I can't watch it it's too like, weird. I can't watch that Carrie Mulligan movie <laughs> Promising Young Woman weird. I'm never gonna watch that no it's just not gonna happen <laughs> it's not gonna happen uh, but yeah so we play it's lots of like gender swapping and like multi-rolling it's a big fun silly night out it's all the things the reason that I you know love Chicago and all this stuff so much is because we're always we've always just wanted to put on huge big nights out for people that are really really fun um so yeah come and if go and watch it and if that doesn't happen for you just don't tell me and (laughs) (laughs) that's fair for everyone you'll laugh you'll cry there's k-pop nazis (laughs) there are k-pop nazis that's true thank you tash thank you caro (laughs) love you you. this has been sentimental garbage and i've been caroline o'donoghue the podcast was produced and edited by me with mix and music by harry harris and artwork by gavin day If you'd like to email me about the pod, you can do so on sentimentalpod at gmail.com 
or get in touch with me directly on Twitter or Instagram at ZaraLine. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com